Welcome to the Eight Facets of Life podcast with Chris Conley and Debbie Ellis. On this podcast, we will examine the components that make up our lives and discuss how we can make improvements. God wants us to perform at our best in all aspects of life, but why don't we? We will talk about this and much more in an effort to discover our very best us in every part of our lives. This podcast is brought to you by Darren Olson with Edward Jones in Bell Fountain. Welcome. Today we're going to talk about the eighth facet of the eight facets of life. And Chris, we just finished talking about fun in the last session, and now we're transitioning into faith. Some people might think that being holy will take you away from fun. But actually, if we look at the Bible, holiness is the fruit of God's spirit because he talks about peace, joy, love, uh, self-control, faithfulness. There are quite a few things. And I know you're a believer, Chris, and today's topic on faith to me is the most important one of all the facets. Mm -hmm. And how would you actually define faith and how does it define your personal life? Okay. When I labeled this faith, I wasn't calling it faith as in the story of the mustard seed. This was more about just our spiritual journey. You know, I know it means things to different people, but it's, it's our walk. It's that uh, act of sanctification. Then let's take it a step further. If we talk personally mm-hmm. about our own spiritual or faith journey, I know I had read that there are significant studies that talk about three months, that it takes about three months of even working hard at it for a person to make a commitment to really actualize into their life, into their daily life, or to make it a habit. And with those three weeks, let's say, for example, you became a Christian and you worked at it hard and you walked with the Lord for three weeks in faithfulness. But then I just read in the book, According to First Steps Discipleship, that usually a new Christian kind of falls off the wagon in three months. And I thought that was interesting that after their initial decision to follow the Lord three months later, it's really hard for them to stay on track. So as we look back at our own spiritual journeys and maybe the training, I know for me and my faith journey, I was raised in the church. Our parents always took us to Sunday school. They went to their Sunday school, went to church. So I can't say Like with Paul, he had that one big event in the Bible where he was knocked off his mule into the dust on the road to Damascus, and then he discovered God. I don't have one of those moments. And sometimes, and you may be one person that talks about that, when people talk about, oh, I found the Lord, and it's like maybe at a revival, or you think of Billy Graham and all these, sometimes I'm a little jealous because I never had that happen. And I know there's all different routes and roads to becoming a believer, And it's a continuum because I know I've had my peaks and my valleys. And also I have heard the closer you get to the Lord, the more the devil wants to come after you. I think that could be true because I've had times in my life where I was closer to God and then I fell back down into one of those valleys. I think that God gives us the spiritual quest and he, he wants us to keep the faith and our destination as we know is, is the cross. That's what we are looking for. And that's what our goal in life should be. Corey Tin Boone once said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Yep. And for me, that's probably hurry is one of my sins. And it keeps me away from my relationship with God. It's the great enemy of my spiritual life because it kind of cuts off that connection because I'm thinking, okay, this is my to-do list. I need to do this, 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 and this. And I forget about what's important just to pause 
and think about God, think about my relationship, my relationship with other Christians as well. So that's my journey. I always kind of grew up more of the Easter Christmas Christian, you know. <laughs> Easter. <laughs> and uh, so along about the age of 21, my wife and I decided we were going to be married and we didn't want to be hypocrites. So we searched for where we were going to be married and decided we'd start going to church. And in the beginning, I was there all the time, except in the summer when it was golf season. <laughs> so I thought still going twice to 26 or 30 times a year, that's pretty good, you know. And then at one of those sermons, I realized that even 26 times wasn't, even though it was better than two, it wasn't what God wanted of me. So I decided I could play golf other days of the week, and I needed to be a totally committed Christian. So, you know, and then once that happens, then it was next was joining the Sunday school class, you know, so you're not just getting the right. sermon and the lecture, but you're interacting with other people. And I could feel my growth. And then, you know, more reading and more study and more prayer kind of gets us to where we are. Yes, that makes sense. Probably what keeps me on track when I do stumble, which is repeatedly, is when I look at the four disciplines of faith. And those basically, those premises would be for me, at least prayer is important. I need to start my day every day in prayer. And it's almost, it's so strange. It's almost like praying to Mecca. I have to be at the foot of my bed on my knees before I leave the house. If I don't do that, it's just like the day can't go on. It's really a strange, I've always done that as long as I can remember in my life. And no matter where it is, I have to be at the end of the bed on my knees to pray in the morning. And then along with prayer, I think Bible study is important, Mm -hmm. probably discipleship, because I believe that's our purpose in life, to bring other believers along. And then finally, this ties in with relationships that we've talked about, is just fellowship, being with other Christians. It really helps. And I know when you talk about going to church, it's more than the sermon, it's more than the singing, all of that is so spiritual and wonderful. And you look up at the big stained glass windows and and the cross, you know, Mm -hmm. in front of you. But I think the fellowship is so important. Through my journey, I've had the opportunity to actually preach or fill in for preachers. And I can remember the first time I did it, I thought this won't be a big deal because I've spoken in front of large crowds before. But just before I walked on, this weight of, of responsibility hit me like I never imagined, you know, that thinking about the story that uh, you lead someone astray, you'd be better to have a millstone thrown on you and thrown in the ocean, you know, yes. I didn't want any part of that. It's just a matter of praying and, you know, asking God to get you through it. And I could, in all the times I've done it, I've always had notes, you know, I don't just read it, but I, I speak from the heart and I've always prayed for guidance. And there has always been times that something has come out of my mouth that I wasn't expecting to say. Yes. And Mm -hmm. so you know the Holy Spirit's with you when that happens. And that's just such an encouraging part because we can't do it on our own. And no matter, we we all want that, hey, you did a great job type acknowledgement. But at the same time, that's not why we're doing these things, at least not why we should be. I know so often in life, just like what you mentioned, it's a God wink. Right. And and he is. He's he's working through you or something's happening that God's looking out for you as well. And you just have to say, thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. One thing I've always liked, you know, you read church marquees or whatever the, oh, the yes. signs out front. Yes. And one of my favorites is, if you're not as close to God as you once were, guess who moved? And I always chuckle when I see that. And at the same time, kind of look at your own life, you know, and how, how close are you at that point in time? 
I know the one church on Ludlow Road, I love to look at, it's uh, Pastor Shelley that puts yeah. those out. Mm-hmm. I love those. Uh, there were, there was one similar, or I think it was the one you talked about, or like the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. Right. <laughs> and yeah. she has so many, they make you think. It's just like, boom, light right. bulb goes on. Yeah. You know, speaking of the light bulb moment, I was going to share a time that in the Sunday school class, I had a guy, he actually was a judge in Kenton, and uh, he made the comment, and I don't remember what we were studying, but he said, you know, it bothers me when people talk out of both sides of their mouth, you know, especially Christians. Right, right. And he gave the example of people that say they're pro-life, and yet they are for capital punishment. And at that time, I was probably 25 or 30 in that range, and I thought, well, that was me that he was describing. And I thought about that and prayed about that, and I thought, you know, he's 100% right, that I lived my life up to that point, you know, you only know what you know based off what you've allowed in. And when he said you're being hypocritical, I thought exactly you are because mm-hmm. God wants life. So you can't say you're for a baby and, and against this person because Jesus forgave the thief on the cross. Exactly. And I had just read that Christianity is the only religion that isn't based on good works, mm-hmm. that yeah. Jesus Christ died for us. We are given that grace, and it isn't a list of doing this, this, and this for other people. I guess in my own head, I believe that if you follow Jesus Christ, you'll want to be like him, and you will want to do good works for others. But according to the Bible, that's not what gets you there. And I, until recently, did not know that was the only religion that believed that that the other ones believe, oh, you need to do this, this, and this if you want to be in the glory of your whoever is your God and your Savior. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that as well. And it takes the pressure off because we know, even though we've got, we want to obey, you know, be obedient to God and what he's taught us, whether it be through the Ten Commandments or through Jesus' teaching in the New Testament, we're going to fall short of that daily. And uh, we need a Savior. And that's the only way. Now, like in the book of James, talks so much about faith without works is dead, you know, so the works come, but only because, again, what we want to do to serve God. Correct. We just need to let his light into our lives right. and open those shutters, and right. it comes. You'd talked earlier about Satan's tactics, you yes. know, and I think one thing that stands out in my mind is he's so crafty, you know, he's described as a liar, deceiver, you know, and go on and on and on. Right. And he's after us all the time, and he knows us each well enough to know where our shortcomings are. Right. And we got to be careful Temptation. That, that it's not... We don't look down at this person's sin because any sin separates us from God. And we can do one thing really good and think that we're that much closer to God because of it. But there are things that all of us have. And I I remember in my first study Bible I got, there was a story that was asked, the demons were meeting with Satan, and, and the whole concept was, what can we do to influence people, you know, to have them turn away from God. And all the demons came up with their suggestions of, you know, pornography and greed and, and right. everything else. And finally, one of them made the comment. He said, let's tell them that going to church is the right thing to do and following God's the right thing to do and, you know, taking communion or anything else. But let's tell them to do it tomorrow. Oh. And and when I read that, I thought, you know, wow, what, a, what an eye-opener, you know, yes. because it's kind of like... I think it was described like Novocaine. It just numbs us to 
everything that's going on around it. Yeah, put us off. Because right. why, if I'm a young person, why do I need to do that today? You know, right. type thing. Right. But sadly, that putting it off, sometimes for some people, they never do come around to it. So, In one of my Bible studies, our pastor was explaining that, well, as we all know, Satan was an angel. He right. was with God and hit Lucifer. And the yeah, and the falling out came because he wanted to be as powerful as God. Right. But what I didn't realize when he was sent down to the earth, the Bible said the scriptures say that one third of the angels right. followed him. Mm-hmm. So I always thought of just the devil, yeah. you know, and right. Satan There's and a bunch heaven of and hell. <laughs> but actually a third of the angels running around on earth are followers of Satan. Right. So that means there's a lot of temptation and they're is a lot of power in that. The good part is two thirds right. are good angels and right. we still have our God right. and our Lord. But that kind of gave me a different feel about all sure. of it. I can remember when I first studied that angel aspect mm-hmm. and a preacher asked, do you believe that we all have a guardian angel? Oh, and, you know, he said his, his comeback was, there's not a right or wrong answer. If you believe it, that's fine. Yes. But he said the gist of it was that you could call down and God would send as many angels as it oh, took to rescue you, you know, nice. so that's comforting in itself, it is you know, comforting. that I don't need one, you know, maybe I've got access to 5,000 if that's what's needed. Right. Right. Yeah. There was a story in that study that I went through where these missionaries were in Africa and they had moved into the area that was, that didn't want them to be there. And they'd been there for a while and many of them had left for a weekend or something, and there's only two people in the compound. And the man and his wife prayed that God would protect them because they had an uneasy feeling about their safety with everyone else gone. And it was like years later that they finally broke through and converted this tribe to Christianity. And the chief, through an interpreter, explained that when you guys first came early on, we knew that you were alone, and we had made the decision that we were going to attack and kill you so that the others would be afraid and not return. But when we came to your camp, you had all those guards around the camp with those fires. And he said, there wasn't anybody out there, but that's there, mm-hmm. an example that's of, you know, God's... Body and angels. God, yeah, exactly. You are listening to the 8 Facets of Life podcast. Stay tuned for more after this message from our sponsor. With all the headlines, are you wondering if your retirement savings will last? The market's ups and downs can keep you guessing, especially if you're approaching retirement or considering it. Your Edward Jones advisor, Daryl Olson, can help. If you have more questions than answers about what's next, you can work together to help ensure you're prepared for your journey. After all, retirement isn't the end of the trek, it's a new beginning. Stop by the office at 125 South Main Street in Bell Fountain. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Now, back to the 8 Facets of Life podcast with Chris Conley and Debbie Ellis. I know in the times here in the world, there are a lot of things that don't go as we expect. Right. And we, th- we question God. Why is this happening? Why are you letting it happen? And today in my uh, devotions that come through the device, it's called Version. You probably mm-hmm. have seen that. And I thought this might be worth mentioning because it, it encourages what we can look to through the scriptures and through God. And I'm, I'm just going to read of, of ways that we can find ourselves in a storm as we are today. We might be next year. We were in the past. And they talked about God has power over every storm and we just need to trust him. And number two was fixing your eyes on Jesus leads to peace. 
It's only by focusing on God who knows every outcome that you can navigate any situation with his wisdom and peace. Number three, Jesus is always in your boat. I mean, we think of, you know, the, right. the story in the storm and right. how the disciples question him. And he said, you know, why, why are you worried? I, I, right. have, I have this. Number four, it's easy to focus on your fears when you can't control your future. But thankfully, Jesus knows your future and he's always by your side. He calls you to live by faith, not by sight. And fifth and finally, whenever you find yourself overwhelmed by life, you always have two choices. You can focus on your circumstances or fix your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. I liked those. Yeah. They were comforting. Yep. I think, you know, whether we read devotions, whether we listen to podcasts, you know, there's there's so many ways that we can get the word today. We just really got no excuse. Right. I mentioned this earlier, but had you ever heard the... uh, the Gandhi quote that he said, I'd have been a Christian if it weren't not for the Christians. Yeah, that doesn't really kind of make sense to me. Could yeah. you tell me a little bit yeah, more? Yeah, I, I researched that a little bit. And, you know, in India, they have the case system where at the time he was doing a lot of study and, and he really liked what he saw in the Bible and he wanted to explore it more and he decided to go to a church. But because of that system, he wasn't allowed into the church. So that's that's what gave him the bad taste for Christians at that time. Oh. So we've just got to be really careful that as a Christian, we just need to love everybody. And it's not to say we accept everything that they do, but we have to love everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole theme of the Bible, I think, is the Bible is all about love. Mm -hmm. Jesus made it easy for us. God gave us the Ten Commandments. But then when he came along and, and was asked, he said, basically, I'll sum it up for you. It's first love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And then the second was love your neighbor as yourself. So it's, again, it's not difficult, but it's not that easy for us as humans because we've got that sin nature in our flesh. You know, a recent sermon I heard, the pastor asked us to go home and read Deuteronomy 28 and 29, and I did, and it's all about blessings for obediences and curses for disobedience. And it just talked about how generations would be affected, and it made me reflect on the time that I went to church with my small children, we took them, but we weren't the best in teaching because we were young Christians ourselves. And I look at myself today, you know, I'm going to be 63, and I feel like I could do it so much better now. Right. But I don't want to say I missed that opportunity, but I planted the seed, but not to the way that I felt that it should have been planted, you know. And and in reading that, those two uh, chapters really made a concern for me. I wrote both my sons a letter and just expressed where I felt I'd fallen short. And and I don't know what their relationship is. I mean, because we're not close, so we go to the same church. But, I, you know, you want your loved ones to be in heaven with you. You know, right. there's nothing more that you could want. If someone isn't familiar with that story, that really, it prompted me to write a letter. Right. So I'd, I'd recommend anyone might read that. I know. As my husband and I look at the way our grandchildren are being raised, our children are so much better at guiding them in the faith. Their their faith is so strong, and our grandchildren's faith is so strong. It just amazes me in a delightful Mm. way. Yeah. And, you know, my shortcomings, and as you said, that's probably what your letter was referring to, but it is refreshing to see our grandchildren, who are like 14, 10, and 8, they have God in their hearts. Oh my goodness. And they, they just shine with it. And yeah. I love that. That's, that's the best blessing anyone could sure. ever have or ask for. Yep. 
the Bible tells us of two judgments. The first is if we're Christians, we already passed that. But then the second judgment where it's talking about what did you do with the talents right. that I gave you? Mm-hmm. And that basically talks about our rewards in heaven, and we can't imagine what that all amounts to. But can you imagine standing before the Creator and having to answer for how we've used our time? You right. know, Because in America, we've got so many opportunities that other people don't have, and a lot of it's given us idle time. And the idle time is where we so often get those temptations exactly. and, and stray, possibly. Mm-hmm. So. That's something that it kind of pushed me into trying to share this, what I've called the eight facets of life, and making this in my design, actually an octagon comes to mind. And I put faith at the bottom, not because it's the least, if anything, it's the most, but it's that foundation. And I felt like early on, I would have probably said my family was my number one priority, thinking that, again, it was because I helped bring them into the earth. It's my responsibility. But then I realized that my Heavenly Father wants more for them than, than I could ever imagine. So that's when I felt like when I got those priorities in order, everything else kind of fell into place. Just last week, we had a missionary at our church. The man was from Africa, and he had married a woman from the United States, and they were talking about their mission work. And they explained that they had to go six hours in order to get food, so a six-hour drive one way probably because there aren't roads. It wasn't that it was that far away, but it took that much time. And, you know, you just think about, again, how we're spoiled here in the United States. But he also talked about how lions attack. You know, their 911 call was a high yelp. He turned his microphone off and yelped for us. So basically it's telling people in the village that I'm in need, come help. And they would all grab their spears and come running. And all those stories just It's hard to imagine, you know, that this day and age that that's still that way. But the one that touched me the most was he said there was a new convert that said, I read the story of moving mountains, and I have the faith that I need my mountain moved because they own 20 acres of ground, but only an acre was tillable. 19 acres was a mountain. And she said, I want to provide for my family and and share with anyone else, but I can't as long as this mountain's moved. I need it moved. And he said in a matter of weeks that the state contacted her or the country, whatever it was, and they bought her mountain because they were going to put in a highway and they needed the stone. Oh, so they And literally that mountain was moved. It. Right. And with the money that she got, she ties to the church and it was the largest sum of money that they, could, they had ever oh, gotten. But crazy. they're going along planning churches and they're planning schools. And, you know, you think God doesn't always do those miracles you know, by his hand, sometimes he relies on us. And wow, what an eye-opener to hear that story and, and to think that that's the way he operates, you know. Absolutely. It's the same thing, having doctors that pray before surgery and, and right. uh, we're blessed beyond measure, but then we just need to realize it's always God's hand. Amen. So this is going to sum up our eighth segment of the eight facets of life, and, and we hope you've enjoyed it. And We'll be communicating ways that if you have more desire to learn more, that you can uh, reach out and we'll be in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the 8 Facets of Life podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you heard today, please visit our website at the number 8facetsoflife.com. The Shine FM Podcast Network.